Heavenly Father, we do thank You, Lord, for bringing us together here tonight and for all of Your your amazing blessings, Lord. We, we just thank You and, and praise You, Father. And we pray, Lord, that You would prepare our hearts now to receive Your Word, to glean the truth that You would have us to take away from this passage of Scripture here, and that the Holy Spirit would be our teacher and that we would be edified, and that You would be glorified. And we thank You for it in our Savior's name. Amen. Romans chapter 15. We uh, Last time we got together, just a couple of Wednesdays ago, we got down to verse 24. Romans chapter 15, verse 24. Paul was saying... Whensoever I take my journey into Spain, I will come to you, for I trust to see you in my journey, and to be brought on my way thitherward by you, if first I be somewhat filled with your company. But now I go to Jerusalem to minister unto the saints, for it hath pleased them of Macedonia and of Achaia to make a certain contribution for the poor saints which are at Jerusalem. It hath pleased them verily, and their debtors they are. For if the Gentiles have been made partakers of their spiritual things, their duty is also to minister unto them in carnal things. When therefore I have performed this, and have sealed to them this fruit, I will come by you into Spain. And I am sure that when I am come unto you, I shall come in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ." Now I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake and for the love of the Spirit that you strive together with me in your prayers to God for me, that I may be delivered from them that do not believe in Judea, and that my service, which I have for Jerusalem, may be accepted of the saints, that I may come unto you with joy by the will of God and may with you be refreshed. Now the God of peace be with you all. Amen. Alright. Now um, actually that God that the God of peace uh, now the God of peace be with you all, Amen. That's that's the end of the epistle. And then you have several PSs after that that take you through uh, chapter sixteen. He kind of closes this epistle uh, a few different times, and that's the first one there at the end of chapter fifteen. But going back to verse 24, and we talked about verse 24 last time, but there's a. I just wanted to touch on those last couple of words, that last statement in verse 24, that I didn't get a chance to last time. He says he's talking about going into Spain and, and stopping off at Rome to see them on his way, and he says, if first I be somewhat filled with your company... And that statement there, if I be somewhat filled with your company, hits hits me as I think about that, um, kind of in kind of a personal way. I, re- I remember years and years ago uh, reading some a book or some books on uh, on different personality types. They weren't Christian books, I don't think. They were just you know psychological stuff. And they had pretty much everybody, you know, on the planet broke down into four or five, six different 
personality categories. You have introverts and extroverts and uh, different different tags that they put on people. And I remember as I was reading through that, you know, you can't hardly read through something like that without trying to say, okay, where do I fit? What am I? And I, it, you know, it didn't take me too long to figure out that I was an introvert. And, and basically what that means is uh, there, were, there, was, there was one question, and that's where this verse comes in, that kind of tests, are you an introvert or an extrovert? And the question was, does the company of other people fill you or does it empty you? Do you gain energy by the presence of, of other people or are you drained? Do you lose energy by the presence of other people? And if you, uh, of course, are, are, are you know, you don't gain energy by the, you know, you go off by yourself and recharge. Then you can, you know, get into the presence of other people. And that's, you know, that's me. I mean, that, that didn't take me two seconds to figure out that that's, that that's where I was. Paul, he says, I'm, 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 I'm going to stop by you guys on the way to Spain so that I can be filled with your company. And you know, those books, as I recall, didn't make a judgment as to what personality type was better or worse. You know, psychology doesn't make any judgments. Everything is fine. You're okay. I'm okay. Blah, blah, blah. But you know what? God is not an introvert. God was not pleased to stay alone. I mean, it was the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and they had blessed eternal fellowship together, and they were content. But God created other thinking beings to enjoy fellowship with. And it occurs to me as I, as I see a verse like this and a statement like this and, and you see the heart of the Apostle Paul throughout his epistles he says I long after you all and he just had such a deep desire uh, to be with the saints and, and he talks about the household of Stephanus who addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints I mean that's like you know I gotta have the saints you know uh, you go into DTs without without seeing the saints. That's you know you're addicted to it, and you know that's not necessarily uh, a natural thing. You know Timothy, Paul says, I have no one who will so naturally care for your state, and 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 Timothy was 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 like that, but. It, it occurs to me as I see a statement like this that what Paul's doing here, he's going to be coming from Jerusalem. Now, Paul knows, and we'll see in a minute, he's got some idea that some bad things are coming at Jerusalem. When he says in verse 25 there, but now I go unto Jerusalem to minister to the saints, he knows when he's writing that, that bonds and afflictions uh, are waiting for him. The Holy Ghost has been telling him that uh, in, in every city he's, he's gone to. 
so he's going to go there, and, and then from there he figures, if, he, if they don't kill him, which he was ready for that too, uh, or take him prisoner, which they actually ended up doing, that he was going to go into Spain. And he was going to deal with more unbelievers and more persecution and more ungodly uh, people there as he ministered in Spain. So between those two, he's looking forward to, as he's drained in, in Jerusalem and, and heading to be drained in Spain, He's looking forward to, to, to stopping in Rome, meeting with these saints, and being filled by them. And you know what what happens, and, and I'm not, you know, I mean, different personalities. God uses all of our personalities, and, and some of us are this way, and some of us are that way. But it seems to me that my own introvertedness it would be lessened if I was more uh, if my life and my being were more immersed in, in, in the Lord Jesus Christ and in the gospel and in seeing the edification and the, of the saints and the glorification of God I, I, I think that 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 introvertedness. If you're if you get drained from being around people, even people that you love, it, it it's probably a good idea to look at that and think about stepping outside yourself and uh, and 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 let it be about Christ and let it be about the Lord and 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 not about you and. Uh, and you might gain something of this heart of the Apostle Paul where he was filled by the, by the presence of, uh, of, of other souls, especially saved souls. So he says, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be filled with your company. But now I go to Jerusalem to minister unto the saints. So now Paul, what, what he's doing here, this is a turning point in, uh, in the apostles' ministry. Come back with me. Hold your hand here and come back to Acts chapter 19. What Paul's getting ready to do is he's getting ready, he's walking into uh, his imprisonment. The Apostle Paul, you know, his ministry is broken up into uh, into two very distinct parts, pre-prison and in prison. Uh, and his epistles are broken up that way. His Acts epistles, the, the epistles he wrote while he was free and, and, and doing his work that you see in the book of Acts, and his epistles that he wrote from prison after Acts 28, after the close of the book of Acts, uh, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and, and, and those epistles there. So when he says, now I go to Jerusalem, this this is marking a turning point in his ministry. In uh, Acts chapter 19, verse... Um, let's get... Look at verse 21. 
Acts 19.21, After these things were ended, Paul purposed in the Spirit when he had passed through Macedonia and Achaia to go to Jerusalem, saying, After I have been there, I must also see Rome. Now this is very shortly before he writes the epistle to the Romans. Now what he's doing as he goes through Macedonia and Achaia, he's taking up this uh, uh, this collection and he's already started for the poor saints that are at Jerusalem. So he sent into Macedonia two of them that ministered unto him, Timotheus and Erastus, but he himself stayed in Asia for a season. And then there's this tremendous um, uh, upheaval there in Asia. And then look at... Um, Look at chapter 20. And after the uproar was ceased, Paul called unto him the disciples and embraced them and departed for to go into Macedonia. So now he's going to go. And when he had gone over those parts and had given them much exhortation, he came into Greece and there, and there abode three months. And when the Jews laid wait for him, he was about to sail into Syria. He purposed to return through Macedonia. And there accompanied him into Asia. And it gives you a whole list of folks there. And he preaches there. And he says, um, verse 22, Acts 20, 22, and now, behold, I go, bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem. Just like he told the Romans. Now, he has, he has written Romans now by this point. And he says, Now I go, bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. So Paul, he knows what's coming at Jerusalem, or at least he says here, I don't know except that the Holy Ghost keeps telling me that I'm, that I'm going to be bound and, and I'm going to be afflicted. And he says, that's not, uh, that's not stopping me. If you look over in um, chapter 21, verse 10, there at uh, Philip's house, the evangelist, the guy who preached to the Ethiopian eunuch, you remember Philip, and the same man had four daughters, verse 9, virgins which did prophesy. And as we tarried there many days, there came down from Judea a certain prophet named Agabus. And when he was come unto us, he took Paul's girdle and bound his own hands and feet and said, Thus saith the Holy Ghost, So shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man that owneth this girdle, and shall deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. And when we heard these things, both we and they of that place, we besought him not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, What mean ye to weep and to break mine heart? For I am ready not to be bound only, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And when he would not be persuaded, we ceased, saying, The will of the Lord be done. So this is, this is what Paul is, uh, has got going on in his, in his mind and in his heart when he, he, he talks about 
stopping off in Rome after he's been to Jerusalem. In fact, as you go down in Romans chapter 15, he asks them in verse 30, we'll jump ahead a minute, Now I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake, and for the love of the Spirit that you strive together with me in your prayers to God for me, that I may be delivered from them that do not believe in Judea, and that my service, which I have for Jerusalem, may be accepted of the saints. So Paul is, is holding out hope here that whatever bonds and afflictions are abiding him, are waiting for him in Jerusalem, that they're not going to be permanent. And he's making plans. He's ready to die. He's ready to be killed. He doesn't know to what extent these, these warnings of the Holy Ghost, you know, what the future is going to hold. It just he knows it's not going to be pleasant. But he's still making plans to go to, to, to go to Rome, to stop there on his way to Spain. He's still asking the saints to pray for him. And he says, strive together with me. You understand your, your, your prayers are part of your warfare, right? Part of your armor. Paul says, strive together. Enter this battle with me. I've got a, I've got a battle that I'm, uh, that I'm gearing up for here. I know it's coming. God's told me in no uncertain terms. That Agabus, who, who tied his hands and his feet with his girdle, the reason they were so, uh, the saints were so upset there is because back earlier on another uh, financial assistance trip. Come back to Acts chapter 11. That Agabus shows up here before in Acts chapter 11. He comes down from Jerusalem. This, this collection that Paul has taken up for the saints at Jerusalem, this is not the first time he's done this. Acts chapter 11 and um, verse... At verse 26, Acts 11, verse 26, And when he had found him, uh, Barnabas found Saul, he brought him unto Antioch, and it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people, and the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. And in these days came prophets from Jerusalem unto Antioch. And there stood up one of them named Agabus, and signified by the Spirit that there should be great dearth throughout all the world, which the great drought, which came to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar. So this guy Agabus, he's he's uh, he, he's already established his credibility as a uh, as a prophet of God. Now, by the way. You'll notice after these prophets come down from uh, from Jerusalem, they didn't just come to tell them about this great dearth that was coming. Verse 29, Then the disciples, every man according to his ability, determined to send relief unto the brethren which dwelt at Judea, which also they did, and they sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. So, so, Paul is, uh, he's done this before. He's taken up um, alms and, and offerings from the Gentiles to bring to the poor saints at Jerusalem. And it's in this Agabus, he shows up uh, the first time, 
And they, they came down and, and, and I'm sure told them. They, they made the need known and said these, these folks up at Jerusalem are, are suffering. And so they, uh, they took up a collection and they sent Paul and Barnabas up there with it. Now, the second time, Agabus comes along and he says, don't go to Jerusalem because uh, you're going to be bound and, and you're going to suffer afflictions there. And Paul, um, he said he was already bound. He was bound in the Spirit to go. So the idea of going there and being bound, that, that didn't bother Paul. Now, back in Romans chapter 15 again, so that's the circumstances behind which this portion of this letter is, is, is being written. And he says, But now I go unto Jerusalem to minister unto the saints, for it hath pleased them of Macedonia and Achaia, and that's what we just read there in Acts, to make a certain contribution for the poor saints which are at Jerusalem. Now let's talk about these poor saints which are at Jerusalem. Come with me to uh, Luke chapter 12. Get Luke chapter 12. And you want to see this. Why are there poor saints at Jerusalem? You say, well, there's poor people everywhere. These folks are not supposed to be poor. Luke chapter 12. Gospel of Luke. Chapter 12, very familiar passage out of the uh, out of the Gospels. Verse 22, and he Jesus said unto his disciples, "Therefore I say unto you, Luke 12:22, take no thought for your life what you shall eat, neither for the body what you shall put on. The life is more than meat, and the body is more than raiment." Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, neither have storehouses or barns, and God feedeth them. How much more are ye better than the fowls? And which of you, with taking thought, can add one uh, to his stature one cubit? If he then be not able to do that which is least, why take ye thought for the rest? <clears throat> Consider the lilies. How they grow, they toil not, they spin not, and yet as uh, I say unto you that Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothe the grass which is today and in the field and tomorrow is cast into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O ye of little faith? And seek not ye what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, Neither be ye of doubtful mind, for all these things do the nations of the world seek after. And your Father knoweth that you have need of these things, but rather seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Fear not, little flock, it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell that you have, and give alms. And he, and he goes on there. He says, first he says, don't take any thought for what you're going to eat. Don't take any thought for what you're going to drink. Don't take any thought for what you're going to wear. Then he says, what you have already, sell it. And, and give your money away. Strip yourself of all material possessions and let God 
provide for you. Now, you know and I know that there are folks who take those verses uh, for themselves today, although they don't take them very literally, because people generally aren't selling everything that they have and then, you know, waiting for God to provide. But they say, well, uh, what it means, he says, take no thought, don't worry about it. Well, listen, there's a difference between take no thought and don't worry about it. Paul says, you know, be careful for nothing. That's different than take no thought. That's different than sell your business, which he's telling them to do, sell your land, which is their income, and get rid of it and give it away. Leave yourself no income. That's exactly the opposite of what Paul tells us to do in this dispensation. Today, Paul tells us, if a man provide not for his own, especially they of his own household, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. The Lord here is telling them that the infidels are the ones who are worried about tomorrow and and providing for themselves and for their families. Don't do that like the other nations do. Paul says the infidels are the guys who won't work. (laughs) So you go out and work. It's a complete reversal. But you notice as you as you go look a little further down, verse um, thirty-seven. Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when He cometh, shall find watching. Verily I say unto you that He shall gird Himself and make them to sit down to meet, and will come forth and serve them. See, that's where the provision comes. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Suffer the, 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 uh, uh, the, the emptying of yourself. Have faith that God will provide, and, and you know that, that during that tribulation, God is going to give them manna from heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, like He taught them to pray. And God is going to feed them. And then in that kingdom, they're going to uh, they're going to prosper. Now, when you come over to Romans chapter fifteen, and even uh, Romans chapter fifteen is is written about Acts chapter twenty, Romans the book of Romans is even before that in Acts chapter eleven, you've got these poor saints at Jerusalem who are not being provided for. Look in look over in the book of Acts chapter four. You say, well, they're poor because they sold all their stuff. But that's not the way it worked. Look at Acts chapter 4. Remember, this time period here between the instruction that the Lord gave them and that kingdom where He was going to gird Himself and make them to sit down to meet, that time period was supposed to be short according to the prophetic program. The time was short. The kingdom of heaven was at hand. Acts chapter 4, verse 32, And the multitude of them that believed... Now this is those folks, that little flock who, who God is going to give the kingdom. The multitude of them that believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither said any of them that aught of the things which he possessed was his own. And they had all things common. So that's what they did. They didn't, they didn't uh, 
They didn't say, well, the Lord really just meant don't worry. They went out and sold their stuff. They didn't have any possessions of their own. They had all things common. And, uh, you know, uh, Pastor Stam makes, makes a, good, uh, a good comment uh, regarding this communal living that was going on here in early Acts as opposed to the communistic idea. Uh, communism says, you've got plenty, I'll take some. This, what you're seeing here in Acts, is the Holy Ghost working in these folks saying, I've got plenty, you take some. That's the difference between Marxism and communism and what's going on here. They, they, these people are they're giving up their stuff and, and everyone's having all things common. Uh, you, know, you remember when, when they were receiving manna, Moses and those folks back in the wilderness, he that gathered little had no lack, he that gathered much had nothing over. Every man according to his need. See, that works when the Holy Ghost is controlling people. It doesn't work with regular slots like you and me. Um, so, and and uh, with great power gave the apostles, verse 33, witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. See, neither was there any among them that lacked... Now, that's not the situation in Romans 15 when Paul talks about the poor saints at Jerusalem. There was not a poor man among them here. For as many as were possessors of lands and houses sold them and brought the prices of the things that were sold. And they laid them down at the apostles' feet and distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. So this was the plan. This was the uh, they're they're acting in accord with the kingdom instructions that the Lord Jesus Christ gave to them. Now, obviously, there's there by the time you get to the book of Romans, there is a drastic change. God is not providing for them the way He provides for the ravens. Because that kingdom was postponed. It was, it was held back because the wrath of God was being held back and the dispensation of grace uh, had come and the grace of God was, uh, began to be poured out. So you say, well, that's not fair. God told these people, sell everything and I'll provide for you. And then He didn't. Well, yeah, He did. What, what did we just read in Acts 11? And in, and, in, and in Acts 20, in, in Romans chapter 15, He provided for them abundantly. He just didn't do it the way the prophetic program said He was going to. He provided for them through the grace, through the grace of this dispensation, working in the body of Christ, in the Gentile saints. And, and they're taking up huge, enormous collections for these, for these folks and coming and laying it at the apostles' feet, as it were. So God is still providing for them. He's just not doing it the way the prophetic program said. He's doing it now according to the new program. Every man according to his ability. Now, now I want... I want you to keep that in mind. Come over with me, if you would, to Second Peter. Now, that's 
that's some more background. Now, now, I'm thinking now about these saints at Jerusalem. The poor saints at Jerusalem that Paul talks about. Put yourself in their shoes. The Lord promised, go and sell your stuff, sell everything you have, and I'll provide for you. And you won't lack. You'll be like the ravens and the lilies. You'll be, you'll be fine. <laughs> and they sold their stuff. And they're waiting. And they're waiting. And they're waiting for that kingdom. And it's not coming. And you know, this is the second time. Because when Jesus came, they had expectations. Oh, there's a little critter. <laughs> little tiny thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, they had expectations when he came the first time, and those expectations were dashed in a in a in a huge way. Their Messiah, their Savior, the one who was going to come and deliver them, was hanging, dripping his life's blood from a from a tree, defeated, absolutely defeated. And, and, and then he rose again. And they got hope again. And he said, go out and, 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 and preach. The kingdom's coming. The kingdom's coming. The kingdom's coming. And the kingdom didn't come. Now put yourself in these folks' shoes. you got the Apostle Paul on the one hand. We'll get to Second Peter in a second. He's got expectations too. He's going to Jerusalem. He's going to do what he's got to do there. He's been obedient to the Lord. He's been working like crazy. All his heart's in it. And he's looking forward to coming back to Rome and, and hanging out with those guys, in a, you know, uh, not in chains, and being refreshed with them and enjoying their fellowship. Dashed. Dashed. Not a single prayer that he asked them to pray was answered in the affirmative. Not a single one. That's another indication to you that the program's changing. The Lord told His disciples, whatsoever you pray, believing, you will receive. That's not the way it was by the time you get to Romans. He told those people there, I'll provide for you, and you won't be poor. But that's not the way it was by the time you get to Romans. So, you got Paul on the one hand. Just... uh, his anticipations just were absolutely put out, snuffed, one by one by one by one. You've got these poor saints at Jerusalem whose expectations were just snuffed, snuffed out. You, you, have, uh, you have all these Gentile believers in Macedonia and Achaia who were just rejoicing. Paul says, out of their deep poverty... Those people in Macedonia begged us to take this money and to give it to the poor saints at Jerusalem so that God can be glorified. And Paul took it and they went into poverty so that the poverty of of the saints at Jerusalem could be relieved. And Paul could have a wonderful, victorious uh, journey and, and ministry there. And it was dashed. I mean, they got the money, but to tell you the truth, they didn't seem all that excited about it. When James received Paul, there seemed to be a little, little chill there in the air, and uh, and none of these people's uh, expectations is coming to pass. 
that's that's the context where you get a statement like this in in Second Peter, chapter three. Verse 3, he says, Know this first, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts and saying, Where is the promise of His coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the, of the creation. You people are crazy. You got all these promises from God and nothing is happening for you. Scoffers. He goes on a little bit further in verse 8. He says, But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. You say, well, that's great for the Lord. (laughs) But how does that help me? Well, let me tell you how that helps you. You start thinking like God thinks. That's what Peter's doing here. Start looking at this the way God looks at it. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us word, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And see, that's what this is all coming down to. The Apostle Paul suffered his own earnest expectations to be dashed and went on with faith. These poor saints at Jerusalem suffered their own expectations to be dashed and went on with faith. Those poor Gentile saints who gave everything they had, Paul says, to their power and beyond their power, beyond their ability to give, they were giving. And they did that, and they did that rejoicing. And, and it didn't turn out the way they expected. But they could, because, come over to uh, Philippians chapter 1. See, here's, you know, when I started out here tonight, when we started out, I said to you that, you know, if I can just manage, by God's grace, to get out of myself, And to start looking at things the way God looks at them. Paul here, now he's in prison now. When he writes Philippians, the situation at Jerusalem is is done and he's been carted off to to, to, uh, Rome. And he's in jail. And he says, verse 12, Philippians 1, verse 12, But I would you should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. See, the, the, the fact that my own hopes and my own expectations didn't, didn't come out, that, that doesn't bother me. Because, see, those promises back there, those kingdom promises, sometimes we look at that stuff and the, and the wealth and the health and the healing and, the, and all of that and we go, boy, wouldn't that be great, you know? Just to have all our hopes and dreams, you know, just to have all our prayers answered. 
immediately and they have all our physical ailments uh, gone and, and all my money troubles gone and just to have uh, all of this stuff that, that, that these folks were promised. Do you know what Paul says? You know what we've got? We've got something better. We've got, we've got Romans 8.28 that all things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to His purpose. And if your purpose, if your expectation and your earnest hope is the furtherance of the Gospel and the edification of the saints and the glorification of God, you'll never be disappointed. Your hopes will never be dashed. That's what Peter's saying. He's saying, you guys, you're suffering poverty. The Lord, It wasn't supposed to be this way, but... The long-suffering of God, the more He waits, the more more of us get saved. He's waiting because He's not willing that any of us should perish, the Jews. And for their brethren's sake, for the sake of lost souls, they suffered it. For the sake of the glory of God, they joyfully took the, uh, the, 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 the unexpected turns of life things that they had put all of their hopes in just didn't come to be. And Paul says, you know, I'm sitting here in this prison. This wasn't the plan. It wasn't my plan. But I want you to understand that all of these things that happened to me have fallen out. See that almost as if, you know, by accident. Like a roll of the dice. They they just so happened to happen to the furtherance of the Gospel. And that's where Paul's ultimate hope and expectation was. And that's why he was able to go through these things. And that's and it wasn't just Paul. It was these poor saints at Jerusalem. And it was these Gentile believers out all over the world. It was, it was all the saints and, and the saints today who, who, who understand that we need to think like God thinks and let His purpose be our purpose. Back in Romans chapter 15. So, you see the, uh, you see the change in, 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 this, in this passage in Romans chapter 15. You see the change in program here uh, drastically and just really kind of get slapped in the face with it. And you see to the exceeding glory that that God has brought us into in this dispensation the uh, the promises are different and God expects us to to be raised to be elevated to the level of his promises today so that just like those promises back there brought those people joy God's spiritual promises to you and me today bring us joy. And the physical things, you know, they're all going to perish by and by. So he says that they're taking up a collection for the saints that are at Jerusalem, verse 27, and we'll just run down through the rest of this. It hath pleased them verily, and their debtors they are. For if the Gentiles have been made partaker of their spiritual things, their duty is also to minister unto them in carnal things. 
Paul, uh, that's Paul's philosophy throughout. He tells the Corinthians, he says, you know, if, you, if we've ministered to you in spiritual things, it's a great thing if we reap your carnal things. You, you pay a minister uh, uh, to, to preach the gospel. He feeds you, you feed him. That's, that's how it works. Paul says that's perfectly reasonable. In fact, here, he says it's their duty. It, it pleased them, and that's good, but they're their debtors. Now, I want you to see in this verse here who they are. Because people will take this and they'll say, well, see, we ought to support the Jews. And we ought to, to, to financially support Israel. If you want to do that, that's you know charitable, a uh, good thing to do. You should probably look around the rest of the world and you know see who else needs help. That's not what Paul's doing here. He's not, he's not supporting unsaved Israel. He's not supporting the, 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 those who don't believe down in, uh, in verse 30. He, he says, "...the poor saints which are at Jerusalem, their debtors they are." The, the, uh, the Gentile churches are debtors to the saints at Jerusalem because it's their spiritual things that they're partaking of. Same as back in chapter 11 with the olive tree and, 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 put in, and put in among the other branches while the unbelieving branches were broken off. It's the, it's the branches that are still there that, that their fellowship was with. Now these saints, they don't exist today. If you're a saint today, you're in the body of Christ. You're not one of the you know, Jerusalem saints. You're one of the kingdom saints. This was a temporary situation. These folks, when they died out, they died out. They were gone. And it was just the body of Christ. But the issue there of uh, giving money for spiritual uh, uh, ministry is there throughout Paul's, Paul's gospels, Paul's epistles, and he says so here. So they're, they're taking up that, that collection there. And when therefore I have performed this and have sealed to them this fruit, and that's how he sees it, money. He sees the money as fruit. And he, he says that several times. He tells the Philippians, you know, not that I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. Uh, this is not given grudgingly. It's not something that that uh, that Paul extorted from them. It was the fruit of the Lord's work, something that that came out naturally. I will come by you into Spain, and I am sure that when I am come unto you, I shall come in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. Now that's what Paul is sure about. He says, I don't, "I'm going to Jerusalem, and I don't know what's going to befall me there." But here, he's sure about something. You know, the Lord came alongside him a little bit later on in Acts and said, don't worry, Paul, you're going to go to Rome. So Paul got assurance that he wasn't being presumptuous. The Lord told him, you've got to go to Rome. One way or the other, by hook or by crook, he was going. and He went in chains, but he went. So he knew he was going to get there. And there's no indication that that was the first time that the Lord had told him that. But what he says here is, I'm going to come. When I come, I'll come in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. I might come in chains. I don't know what condition I'm going to be in when I get there, but I know 
that when I come, it's going to be in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. And sure enough, it was. Although Paul himself was a prisoner. So he knows that, but he's not so sure about this. Now I beseech you, brethren, before, uh, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake and for the love of the Spirit. He says, I'm begging you guys, for Christ's sake and for the, for the love of the Spirit that you have towards me, that you strive together with me in your prayers to God for me. Join me in this battle, because there is a battle coming, and I have no idea how it's going to turn out, but I need your prayers. That I may Here's what he's praying, that he wants them to pray, that I may be delivered from them that do not believe in Judea. That didn't happen. And that my service, which I have for Jerusalem, may be accepted of the saints. Now what he's saying there, he's not expecting them to reject it and say, no, take your money and go. He knows they're going to take the money. But he wants it to be accepted in the gracious spirit that it was given. And if you go back there and you read the book of Acts, you know it says they glorified God for, you know, for the money, which was good. Uh... But, you know, there's no thank you. There's no, you know, Paul talks about, you know, this grace is going to be uh, uh, going to redound to the glory of God by abundant thanksgiving. Well, there was no abundant thanksgiving. Not in the record. Now, glory to God. Thanks for the dough. You know, by the way, Paul, you're ticking these brethren off here with your preaching against the law out there. That's what they went into after he gave them the money. No thank you. No, no nothing. Just start... Uh, criticizing him. So none of these prayers that he asked them to pray are happening the way that he hopes that they will. But it's all falling out to the furtherance of the gospel. That's why he says, I know that I'm going to come to you and it's going to be in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. That's not physical blessing. That's spiritual blessings that I may come unto you with joy, so pray for me that I can be delivered from these folks and we can have a good trip to Jerusalem, that I may come unto you with joy by the will of God and may with you be refreshed. Well, he came to them in in bonds, but with joy. By the will of God, he calls himself the prisoner of Jesus Christ more than once when he gets thrown in jail. And... uh, and he was, though though his outward man perished, the inward man was renewed day by day. So, you know, all of these kind of physical expectations that Paul's got, they all happened uh, exceeding abundantly above all that he could ask or think. Because he was, he was, he, he was looking at, at these physical things and... and you know, in the immediate context here and asking them to pray about it. But all the while underneath, he's bound in the Spirit to go and, and, and to fulfill the ministry that he received of the Lord. And that's, that's, what he's, uh, that's where his foundation is. And that's why he's able to rejoice through all of this because his ultimate hope is, is being fulfilled. And it can't not be fulfilled. He says, we can do nothing against the truth, but for the truth. God's going to have His way. So you may as well get on board His, his train. 
because his purpose is going to be fulfilled. So let that be your purpose too. Now the God of peace be with you all. Amen. We will uh, pick it up from there in chapter 16 and, and go through some of these uh, some of these PSs, some of these postscripts that uh, Paul kind of says, say hi to this one and that one and say hey to our, all my friends there and, and gives us some good uh, edification in the midst of all of those greetings. We're done. <laughs>